let's face it, I'm not going to stop treating myself anytime soon, and neither should you. But what I should stop doing is paying for me time with whatever random credit card is in my wallet. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times the points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? Honey, is it like a gorgeous free flight that you would have had to have paid for, but honey, you're saving that flight money? Is it a gorgeous room upgrade? Is it like a gorgeous like two-bedroom suite instead of a one-bedroom suite so your like in-laws or like your friend could stay over there in that room so you don't have to like hear them doing whatever with what they're doing in your your guys' room? Is it like really adulting? Oh, I love adulting. And you know what else I love? is not waiting to make smart financial decisions. I also love paying my credit cards off in full every month because like, yes, good credit. So let's like do try to do that and like making responsible decisions, which we love. Um, But anyway, don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet, finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, it's Jonathan Van Ness. Americans United for Separation of Church and State defends your freedom to live as yourself and believe as you choose, so long as you don't harm others. Core freedoms like abortion rights, marriage equality, public education, and even American democracy itself rest upon the wall of separation between church and state. Christian nationalists are attacking these freedoms, seeking to force us all to live by their narrow beliefs. Americans United is fighting back. Freedom without favor and equality without exception. Learn more about AU at au.org slash curious. Let's face it. I'm not going to stop treating myself anytime soon, and neither should you. But what I should stop doing is paying for me time with whatever random credit card is in my wallet. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times the points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? Honey, is it like a gorgeous free flight that you would have had to have paid for, but honey, you're saving that flight money. Is it a gorgeous room upgrade? Is it like a gorgeous like two bedroom suite instead of a one bedroom suite? So your like in-laws or like your friend could stay over there in that room. So you don't have to like hear them doing whatever with what they're doing in your, your guys's room. Is it like really adulting? Oh, I love adulting. And you know what else I love? is not waiting to make smart financial decisions. I also love paying my credit cards off in full every month because like, yes, good credit. So let's like do try to do that and like making responsible decisions, which we love. Um, But anyway, don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. It's Pride Month, you guys, and in honor of Gorgeous Pride Month, I want to help you guys find some gorgeous, queer, fabulous podcasts right here at Earwolf that you may not know about. First off, I want to talk about Query. She is a gorgeous, intimate conversation podcast where Cameron Esposito, who's an amazing stand-up comic, will sit down with some of the brightest luminaries in the LGBTQ family. She's had Margaret Cho, Lena Waithe, Jill Soloway, Roxanne Gay, Trixie Mattel, Tegan and Sarah. The list goes on and on, you guys. Uh, the show explores individual stories of identity, personality, and shifting cultural matrix around gender, sexuality, and civil rights. So really, uh, you know, it's Pride Month. Celebrate it. Subscribe to Query on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast to. Get it together and listen to Query. 
Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every week I sit down for a 30-minute conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. This week, I'm curious about English English and American English. What's the dip? So I'm speaking to illusionist, podcast host, words expert, and English person, Helen Zaltzman. You guys, you know that I live for a British moment about harder than I live for anything. And we've got gorgeous Helen Zoltzman, host of the Illusionist podcast. I said your last name right? Absolutely perfectly. Oh, my thank God. Thank you very much. Um, so you are a podcast host extraordinaire <laughs> and a British person yes. slash word enthusiast. Yes. And t- tell recap what the Illusionist podcast is for the children. Okay. And, and for the adults, because a lot of them have not heard it either. Um, so it is... It's kind of like an entertainment show about language and how we use it and why. And I guess because a lot of people are like, that's a bit niche. But language is a tool that pretty much everyone alive participates in. And we're pretty good at it without having to think about it. And then when you think about it, you're like, that's weird. Or often, that's terrible. So it's just unpicking these things. So one thing that I always thought was is that maybe a Southern accent, like a Southern American accent, is really just like a British accent that like got brought over on a ship <laughs> and then like gone south and like drank a lot of like summer wine on like the porch and yep. got really caught up in a lot of like severely messed up race stuff. And that's how their accent turned into their accent. Like... Right? Like, isn't she just like a slow British accent? (laughs) That's a really interesting question. I often hear that Irish accents sound more similar to American ones. But I think what happens is you go over somewhere, there's an ocean between you, 300 years later, you're talking pretty different. And that's what it is. It's what it is. It's what we've ended up with. Well, one thing Tan taught me, and I thought... For sure he was lying, but he's he wasn't. <laughs> but because it's it's X, Y, Z. Yes. What's yes. up with that? Uh, we just have to be different. <laughs> Is that really it? I think uh, I haven't researched that one, but I should because when I'm in the States, my, my name starts with uh, Z's. And I'm saying Z because I'm on your turf. Um, but at home, we'd say Z. You would say like, my name starts with Z. Yeah. When you're saying Z. Yeah. I'm so sorry. You look really disappointed in me. Well, no, but but it's just cray-cray. Like, I just can't believe that that, that, that it's, it's, so when did it all go wrong for you guys? Like, when did it happen? I know. Well. Have you always been that way? (laughs) Well, just kind of obstinate and and stuck in our ways just for the sake of it. Because, like, of all the differences, there's, like, color, color. Yes. And then there's, like. Yep. Aluminium. Which is a real, I find that one very. As as a Brit myself, I really cannot imagine <laughs> why my people have decided to say aluminium. It doesn't make any sense at all. We just like wasting time on that extra syllable. And then, and then, like, and then your mouths. Is that what yeah, it is? Our stupid mouths. It's not your stupid mouths. <laughs> I love your guys' mouths, but like, but um, but is because like in yoga, I learned that we have like. Five palettes. Mm-hmm. Like, do you guys use like the front ones or something? Probably or the- like half of one, and we're like, we don't need the other ones. Let's leave that to people who are more interested in exploring things. But why does your? Why is it? What- why do our mouths work so badly? Yeah, no, not badly. Like, what is it? Tell me. You're the yeah. you're the expert. Tell okay. me about it. So, part of it is just the fact that, like, when you when you put geography in between things they evolve differently which is why Borneo has a lot of unique wildlife because it's split off from continental masses early and English exported itself to lots of different countries and I use the word exported as if there wasn't a lot of violence and uh, problems involved and the USA was one such place and then at home it does continue evolving as well but slightly differently and you've got these different cultural influences and then with things like the word colour 
which uh, you have removed the U and an excellent minimising choice because you don't need it. But in Britain, when they try to take out those sort of historical things that say, oh, this word, we we got it when France invaded our country, people are like, well, we don't want to modernise that word. We're going to keep the history in. But in America, you don't have to think about that history. So you guys have you in colour because France invaded Britain? Yeah. But then weirdly, we also have like... When did France invade? Oh, uh, 1066. Way long ago. Very like Game of Thrones realness. Yeah, we're still pissed off about it. And so they were like, color or whatever. Yeah, you're putting a U in this word now. Yeah. France is in charge. And they spoke French then too in 1066? Or was it like a different... So when they got there in 1066, there wasn't really England yet. It was lots of different kingdoms. People were speaking different languages. It was really like straight up Game of Thrones-y, wasn't it? Like, wasn't like where George R. R. Martin got some of his, like, it was like from like that period, I think. Yeah, a lot of dragons, a lot of uh, sexual violence. And um, <laughs> but um, but it was a language born of invention. Why did I already. laugh when you said sexual violence? It's not funny. I think prob- probably just to try and lighten the mood because I said sexual violence. I'm so sorry. No. Jonathan. What what have I done? Nothing. Uh, so I've been. No, you're doing everything. <laughs> I'm obsessed with you. <laughs> so about a, th- a thousand years before that. The Romans invaded Britain, right? So before that... A thousand I, years before that? Yeah, a thousand years before the French, right? Romans invaded Britain. And in whatever, 66. In, in like, well, like, you know, around naught AD. Although people will be like, there is, what no AD? Nor- there is no naught AD. There is no zero AD. That's like, another British, AD. That's like another British naught. word. What Do the- you not say naught in American? No, darling. I've never heard that word oh, in my life. Treat yourself to it one day. It might what be does useful. it mean? Just no- nothing or zero Girl. Do you say Fortnite? Of course. I learned that at Wimbledon. What else have you learned from Tan? Um, well, I learned Fortnite from Wimbledon, not uh-huh. Tan. Yeah, Wimbledon, um, Fortnite. What else have I learned? Um, because Fortnite's two weeks, right? And it's useful because when people say bi-weekly, you're like, do you mean twice a week or every two weeks? Well, bi-weekly means Fortnite. that's every two weeks. But sometimes it's twice a week. Whereas Fortnite, you're like, no, every twice two a week weeks, means that's it. twice a week is actually twice a week. And bi weekly is every other week. Okay. So you've got it sorted. Um, if only everyone else was on the Van Ness plan for bi weekly. Wait, Tan taught me, well, other than like how to just, I'm, well, obsession. Tan taught me about obsession. Uh-huh. He taught me about like grief because like he's, because I can't get, he won't be in a throuple with me and his husband. Oh, I'm sorry. So he's taught me about grief. He's taught me about like loss. Just, you know, in general, like, longing, because there's no way for me to, like, physically, like, sew him on my, like, sew him on myself. Are you sure there's no way? I've tried. It's, like, so painful, and could, I, I'm not you, really into pain. Could you get, like, a kind of sling or harness to <gasps> encase him in? Oh, my God. Like, a full, like, a frontal baby sling? I yeah. would die. I need Tanny and a full baby sling more than I've ever needed anything in my entire life. Um, He taught me about Zed. He also, he really, really is rude to me about my British accent, which I just think is so fucking rude. How's his American accent? According to him, great. He can say cheeseburger and, like, color and, like, tan really well in in an American accent. that's enough to get by. Um, It's not as great as he thinks it is. I think a lot of Brits' American accents are not as great as they think they are because it's a really difficult accent because our mouths don't work. Whereas my British accent really is fierce. I'm enjoying it very much. but, But, I mean, it jumps around. I don't really know where she's from. I take a little bit from where I need to take it from to get from one word to the next. Sure. And I in my but my but the point is that my commitment is everything. You know what I don't I like? It. I don't fucking like it when British people low key roll their eyes at me or think that I'm annoying when I do my British accent 
because I am just trying to connect and I love to do a British accent. I played Tiny Tim in a Christmas story when Did I was you? six. Um, that's what, and, and I met this lady at this department store getting swim trunks with my grandma who had a British accent when I was like six and I would, was obsessed with her. And, and so I have a great British accent and I just want to use it sometimes. And I don't like it when British people are like offended by that or think that I'm like impersonating them or like don't understand that it's genius. <laughs> I think maybe we're trying to be cool about our excitement that you've bothered to learn it. Could that be it? No, oh. it's not what it feels. I mean, you're like, honestly, you're, res- and I, it's probably because of the podcast that you host and you're just used <laughs> to exploring all of this stuff, but like your reception is one of the warmest. I, I find it quite uh, flattering when American friends do it. Really? Yeah. Because most British people, I feel like that um, I do it too forcefully, can't stop doing it, think it's kind of annoying. Oh, well, they don't know how lucky they are. Uh, really? Yeah, but, you know, now I think about it, I think, but if I came in and did an American accent at you, would you find it insulting? Not if it was awesome. No, it would be terrible. <laughs> well, do you want to explore that? No, I really, I, I, I plan never to do an American well, accent Well, I'll do British. Air. I'll do British for, like, the next few minutes and just do right. a bit of an American I'll, one. I'll carry on doing British. All and right. We're all safe. And I'll just join. I don't have a big accent wardrobe to step into. Um, well, I, I, I'm so sorry. Honestly, I... I I well, what about lying on air? Have you ever made a conscious decision not to lie on air? Because I think you might have just told a fib. I think you've <laughs> I got can to do go- two other accents. I can do South African because oh, my dad's South I, African. I can do a really good South African oh. sentence. Oh yeah. Um, my name is Jonathan Van Ness, and I'm from Johannesburg, South Africa. Uh, it sounds a bit more Australian. No! You just need to get your vowels a little more mm. clipped. Let, I, my name is Jonathan Van Ness, and I'm from Johannesburg, South Africa. South Africa. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I'm really off. I'm not. Now, and now I, I wonder whether I've just insulted every South African person. Um, well, your British accent's really like strong, like yeah. it, like it's really. Do you wait? Where, where are you from? I'm from a town called Tunbridge Wells, which is about 40 miles south of London. South? Yes. So you're by Dover somewhere. It is. Uh, it is nearish Dover. I love those cliffs. There's some very gorgeous cliffs but the thing is the people of Tunbridge Wells, their attitude towards those cliffs is that immigrants are scrambling over them all the time. It's a, so they vote for so was Tunbridge yeah. Wells in the Dover County very Brexit? It was mega very, Brexit, mega Brexit. Yeah. So London's kind of more like probably more LA ish. Yeah, London is a big multicultural city. Yeah, which is excellent. What about Brighton? Brighton is like our Portland. And then so what about and then what about Manchester? Manchester is what would be the equivalent of Manchester? Philadelphia. Yeah, Philly or Pittsburgh, maybe. So like somewhere that has like had some rough times in the 20th century but also is quite cool has a lot of local culture of its own and then what about um, well actually one time I went to, um, to Amsterdam when I was solo trip when I was 20 and the hostel that I stayed at I walked in and there was this really really loud loud sex happening on this bunk bed um, from this in couple from room. yep and there's this couple from Liverpool uh-huh. and um I thought they were German, but really they were British. And they, their accent was so different and so guttural and deep. Well, that might have been because of the sex having... No, no, no. Like the actual oh, okay. talking after the, like, the really uncomfortable sex. Because like I walked in and I was like, oh, holy shit. Um, <laughs> there was like asses and legs and oh, I was like wow. 20. And he was like... And now I'm not size shaming on, in, on any form here. But he was like... Every inch of like five two to her, every inch of her like five eleven, and he was like, 
this soccer player, Riley little bloke. And she was just like, just in all her tall Amazonian glory. And I didn't, I, I just, my eyes were not ready for what I saw. Which uh, was could a they lot. ever be ready for people having sex in your hostel? In the room? hostel, and I'm like, there's twin beds everywhere, and you're like in a <laughs> sleeping bag. Like, honestly, wow, they must have been super into it. They were so into it. Wasn't my accent like glorious that whole time? I was extremely impressed. Well, so, like, feedback. Yeah. Like, how can I? Imp- is, am I putting too much on it? Not enough. Like, am I? Am I going too all over? Like, what's my problem? Because well, you know what else Tan did? He fucking. And I'm so not over this Tan. And if you're listening <laughs> to this, which I'm sure you aren't, you probably don't listen this far deep into my podcast even though Ooh, I appreciate ouch. you posting them on your Insta story but um, not to call you out in public a little bit though a little bit to call him out in public oopsie um, but he had the fucking nerve to say that Bobby's British accent on this interview we were, we were on this interview and it was and it was in front of everyone he said that Bobby's British accent was better than mine which is categorically Ooh. absolutely false he only said it to hurt me and and, and Bobby if you're listening to this Let's all just agree that my British accent is the strongest, even including Tans, probably. I don't have ego about much, but I do have ego about my British accent. She's gorgeous. I think what you need to work out is which Brit you want to be, because at the moment you're a fairly posh Brit. And maybe that's not my truth. Maybe it's not your truth. What, well, who am I? Am who I a little bit? Am I Brit? more? Am I more north? Am I more south? Am I more? Am I? Did my family not have a lot? So I'm oh. a little. Am I a little rougher? What? Am I a little? Am I Cockney? Oh, you could treat yourself to some Cockney. You know what? I, I don't think, think I'm right good at Cockney. I don't think I know how to say it right. There are probably some YouTube tutorials. I think maybe you could explore a bit of West Country, which is uh, like a very. Uh, mellow, warm accent. It's quite relaxed sounding. I think you'd enjoy some of the sounds. It's quite a unique sound. I actually feel quite relaxed even just thinking about it. West Country. Who's a West yeah. Country actor that I might know that I can emulate? That's a good question. Who is a West Country actor? Collie Wally, it's your moment. Come on. Just pulling a face. Is it because people from the West Country have to erase their accents? Collie Wally. Collie Wally won't talk on Getting Curious because it raises his producer rate, so he won't. <laughs> he, he refuses to share his voice. He he's very like Wilson in Home Improvement. Like we were uh, well, we, Wilson in Castaway. Yeah, or no, 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 no. Wilson in 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 Home Improvement. The neighbor. He wouldn't show his face all the way. Why? Because then they had to pay him for. No, yeah, I think he got paid. I think the urban legend was that he got paid more for not showing his face. Interesting. Yeah. Like Mrs. Columbo. So, oh my God. So, okay, that was 15 minutes. We'll be right. I, Colin, just always just setting boundaries with me every time I turn around. We'll be right back uh, with more uh, on British and American English right after the break. Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be hard to get all the nutrients your body needs for long-term health. Care of is a monthly subscription vitamin service made from effective, quality ingredients that are personally tailored to your exact needs. Their fun online quiz, which asks about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle choices, makes it really easy to figure out what vitamins and supplements you specifically need. It didn't take long at all, and it really gave me some insight into some questions that I had about myself, which is great. I love that story. Take her. And then I just, uh, you know... Got these little pills, and I took them, and I feel great. Hair looks great. Skin looks great. Super easy to do. Super easy to maintain. Honey, why don't you want to take care of yourself? I love Care-of. She's everything. No more worrying about replacing multiple bottles when you run out because your subscription box includes a 30-day supply of individually wrapped packets for easy grab-and-go. 
Offer about 20% less than similar brands at local drug and health food stores. Yes. For 25% off of your first month of personalized care of vitamins, visit takecareof.com and enter curious. Again, that's takecareof.com, enter curious for 25% off of your first month of personalized vitamins. Y'all, that's a gorgeous deal. Run, don't walk. Love you. See you later. Mean it. Bye. Ooh, it's time for advertisements with Casper Mattress. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. Girl, you heard that right. One night at a time. There are three mattress models. You got the original Casper, the Wave, and the Essential. Girl, these Casper mattresses are everything. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. Girl, you better cradle them hips and them shoulders. Ooh, it feels so nice. Just fall asleep in your new Casper mattress. Not to mention... That breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. I'm so getting this for my mom. Sorry, I'm busting you out. She has menopause. And also, like, the box that this thing comes to your house in, like, I don't know what kind of, like, Harry Potter magic they're doing in there, but this little baby mattress, she can be so big, but then she just gets so small in this little box with free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. I love Justin Trudeau. But the best part is that you can be sure of your purchase with Casper 100 Night Risk-Free Sleep-On-It Trial. What? Oh my God. No, this actually is really, really cute, guys. So, you know how, like, when you want to impulse buy a new thing, but you're like, what if I hate her? Like, what if I do? That's a thing. You could hate it. Well, with Casper Mattresses, you get to try a 100-night free trial, risk-free, and you can return her if you hate it. And after all, one-third of your life is spent sleeping. So shouldn't you be a comfortable baby? I think so. So, get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash curious and using curious at checkout. So don't forget to use that curious at checkout, honey. Now, that's casper.com slash curious. Offer code is curious for $50 off your mattress purchase. Terms and conditions do apply. Also, I'm looking for a job as a uh, part-time uh, side effect uh, in medication advertisements reader. So uh, we're getting curious. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Vanessa, And um, basically, we're just going on an exploration of like how the English language has changed. And yeah. I think one place where we were talking, but I got distracted because I'm a naught, nightmare. I, I said the word naught. Yes. And uh, it was take like... Take me back to six... Take me back to zero six. Yeah. yeah. It was like dropping a grenade in the middle of our conversation. Uh, so the Romans invaded around... Uh, I can't remember. 50, like 60, 55 AD, something like that. And they brought Latin into the country. So whatever the fuck people were talking before that... Uh, <laughs> They weren't really writing it down anyway. It wasn't preserved. Tiny bits of that have like seeped into other things. And then around 500 AD, the Vikings invade and they bring like all their Viking language. So they, so the Romans like brought like yeah. ships and stuff. Like they invaded they and brought they brought ships. They built a lot of very straight roads and they conquered it. Like they, air quote. They con- they did a lot of conquering. They conquered the shit out of it. They is what your the face shit is telling me. Out of uh, Britain, most of Europe. But there wasn't North really. Africa. But there wasn't really anyone like already ruling in the UK at the time. Like she was just kind of this like island, and no one was. Well, there were lots of little kingdoms inside the island. It was lots of different countries. Uh, they're probably beating the shit out of each other. Um, but then the Romans came. They're like, this is ours now. If you want to have power, you speak Latin. And that attitude has remained a really long time. Then the Roman Empire kind of diminished about 400 years later. Then the Vikings invaded. They brought, like, Norse. And then 580, um, like, Germanic um, forces invaded. And then the Vikings. So they all left language there. So we've got all these different influences already. And then the French invaded. So it's like, okay, we speak Latin for the, like, power things. And we speak French to be fancy. And the kind of... 
Norsey. And the old French English you said stuff. were 1066. 1066, very good. So by 1066, you had had like um, a lot of Roman, yeah. Germanic, which is Germany ish. Yeah, Germany ish. That- uh, but again, lots of different countries at the time, all coming in, bringing their language with them, the Vikings, like a lot of violence. And then, yeah, you've got you've got the French. So most of the words we use are descended from Latin, but a lot of the so like the words we use for meat, like it's a pig, which is an old English word, but we say pork, which is the French word, because you like okay, well people who farm pigs they're speaking old English, which is like a commoner's language, but then if you're eating the meat, then you're fancier, so you you give it the French name. So there's lots of stuff like that. Oh, that's interesting. Meat. So when did like Elizabeth's great, 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 great grandpa be like, bye French, like we're English now? Oh, well. Do you know when that happened? I know that's like not like you're necessarily like your thing, but I just, but but that question did just come to me. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think around, and this is just like reaching into my brain for things I learned in the early 90s at school, would be in the 13, 1400s. It really went back and forth for hundreds of years. Bit of a problem. Shakespeare plays about it. There was? Oh, yeah. yeah. Cute. Yeah, so Henry V, there's a Kenneth Branagh film of him making speeches in France that are very patriotic speeches and people still wheel them out today to show how great Britain is and that's a bit depressing. But you have to reach back that's like fun. 600 years. Well, Churchill was fierce. He used to wear onesies to work. He used to wear pinstripe onesies. Okay. Made out of velour. Well, Isn't that sounds that, fabulous. It's a, it's an interesting form of power dressing. Yeah, I love. I wonder what Tan would say. I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting nexus of like the smart dressing and casual comfort. Wait, what's hypercorrection? Oh, so hypercorrection is when you are worried about being incorrect, and so you think you are following all the rules, and actually you're being wrong. So if you said, "I went to lunch with." Um, Colin and I, I don't know. I've, I've formed a bad sentence there already. Um, if you said, um, oh, like Helen when- came and recorded with Colin and I, uh, it should be me because you wouldn't say Helen came and recorded with I, you would say me. But because people think you have to say and I because it's posher because if you said Colin and me went to lunch, people were like, no, Jonathan, it's Colin and I. You're the subject of that sentence. So that's what hypercorrection is. I've explained it badly. No, I get it. Yeah. Too much, you've, you've scrambled the rules. So your intention is to be the most correct and actually you fucked it for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I don't really understand. Because, you know, when I went to school, like they kind of got, they did away with like all that grammar stuff. Yeah, I didn't like, there learn wasn't, it either. Yeah, they, we just didn't really have it. It was more about like communicating or like writing or something. Oh, wow. What was it like to be taught to communicate? Because we were not taught that. Well, no, not like, no, <laughs> but I mean, just like communicating yeah. as far as like fucking like writing stuff down on a piece of paper. Not yeah. like why you're saying the words that you were saying. Wouldn't it be so useful to understand really the point behind it rather than just like, don't do this and put a comma here? Which is really a lot about like what your podcast is about. It's like why we use words. Yeah. Like, so what have you learned? What in this crazy world that we live in, this like post Brexit, mm-hmm. you know, Trump world? Because actually, the reason that I even had the idea for this podcast is I was driving home this one day and it isn't British really at all but it was the the idea of like why do we use words and like and when we hear news stories like why do newscasters and certain news organizations use certain phrases and so the Mohammed bin Salman had come here from Saudi Arabia and he was doing this like big tour of like Silicon Valley and then Hollywood because he wants to bring like theaters and movies to Saudi Arabia because he wants like modernize Saudi Arabia and on NPR this reporter was saying that um his trip 
it was seen in the world as like a, and I'm quoting here, like a political success. And I was thinking to myself, like, what dog does NPR have in this fight of like calling this a political success? And then I was thinking about how on CNN, when we were just, you know, reading headlines or reading headlines from Fox or Huffington Post, just wherever you're reading something from, like, what is the intent behind the words that we're reading and why do they use them? And so that was like originally, I was like, and I was like, so in your, what did, so everything that you've learned from your podcast and it's like crazy world, like, what do you think people need to know about like reading and communication and, and saying what we, well, actually, not even so much saying what we mean, but deciphering what we hear to get to the to make our own truth. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? And also understanding other people's truth, because we think that language is this fixed thing. And actually, it's not at all. It's just this series of kind of compromises and weird decisions people made or didn't even realize they were making. And we all have a tacit understanding of it. And we assume that other people have that same understanding, but that is an assumption. And therefore, you're just always having to negotiate with someone else just trying to figure out whether they mean what you they you think they mean and and vice versa so understanding that is a useful step because then at least you leave some room for a failure of interpretation or something else um i think one thing i've learned in the three and a half years that i've been doing the show i I was just interested in how language worked before and and the sort of weird paths words took to get from this kind of mess of Romans and French and whatever to words we use now because a lot of it is not logical. And then what I realised eventually was that the show is about empathy because you are being manipulated by words you see all the time on news or in papers or whatever. And I did this episode a while ago about um, words that they use, particularly in British newspapers, to describe uh, migrants. And they will use very dehumanising words like swarms and deliberately things to stigmatise it, and then things that are incorrect as well, like illegal refugees. And you can't be an illegal refugee. Everyone has the right to seek refugee status. And yeah, like seek safety. Yeah. And swarms is like hornets yes. or bees or, yeah, yeah like an animal. It's like yeah. very dehumanising. Yeah, or migrants are flooding the country. Like, well, that's not even human, but by taking away the individualism, it means people are more likely to be angry at migrants than what our government is doing. It's a much easier scapegoat. So then when you're vigilant about those things, I think you can you can learn firstly to be kinder to the people who are being dehumanized by that language and secondly just to be more thoughtful in your own use. This, yeah. Sorry, I've taken this to depressing. No, no, that's no, that's exactly where I wanted to go. Kind of. I mean, really, that's where I wanted to go. So, what else? Like, what else in your experience in, in in hosting this podcast and learning about words? What advice can you give to people who are having trouble? deciphering words or spotting bullshit or like having, (laughs) having issues thinking critically. Cause Mm. a lot of times, like when I, I'll read things and I'm like, I will get so upset. I'll be like halfway through making a tweet about it where I'm like, wait a minute. And like, where did this news story come from? What dog do I have in this fight? Yes. Like how much do I really need to take what I just read and like hold that on me and carry this with me through the day and really have it like inform what I'm going to say. Or, you know, even the conversations I have with myself, like, like some things that are just like hard to read or like, you know, upsetting on the news and like you carry that with you all day. So just knowing how to kind of like shut that down and and, mm. and take it for what it's worth. Like, what have you learned about this? Uh, I guess one thing would be to not tweet it instantly, but come back to it a few hours later and see if you still agree with the way you wrote it when you were emotional about it and all fired up about it. But also when you're reading these news sources to be like, okay, what is the actual information that they're imparting? Where are the facts there? Because sometimes it will be a source close to... Mariah Carey said this thing about Mariah Carey. You're like, okay, a source could just be like 
a glove puppet that you're wearing that you said said this thing. Um, they got like $7,500 for saying said thing that's like not even true. Like they yeah. just like, because who even knows like what that source close to them like got in return for saying that thing. Totally. Or, you know, if if the source close to them is just someone who saw a poster of them one day, then you might as well just invent that source. So there's lots of ways where you just like, what's the information? How has it been edited? Who said it? And in what circumstances? But, I mean, I think at the moment people have conditioned themselves not to trust anything, but in the wrong way. They're not trusting it in order to make whatever they want fit their narrative. Whereas before it was just, like, really trying to find the truth rather than our individual picture of the truth. Which is kind of... It get, no, yeah, but it's like feels like fake newsy. Yeah, fake newsy, Jonathan. Yeah, uh, that's, like, what it is. Like, yeah. being able to tell, like, if it's real or not. So... And the baby illusionist. <laughs> what like what are some like other interesting like w- stories of words? Oh, okay. There was um uh, so uh, there's a woman called Lynn Murphy who specialises in the difference between U.S. and British English, and uh, she lives and works in Britain, but she's from the U.S. And she told me that the way that Americans and Brits use the word please is very different, and Brits will just throw it in all over the place because we're trying to be polite and deprecating whatever. And in the US, that can come across as very passag. And since she said that, I was like, oh, shit, I've been inadvertently kind of passag and insulting to What's people. What's passag? Uh, you know, passive aggressive. Oh. So in, in Britain, say if you were ordering a sandwich, say, please, could I have a sandwich? And in America, that might sound a little bossy. Oh, like, please, can I have a sandwich? Yeah. Why have you not brought me this sandwich that you didn't know I wanted until this instant? Or it's like, can I have a sandwich, Please. Yeah. 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 yeah, I get it. Yeah. Or like, can I have a sandwich? Yeah. But in Britain, it'd be if you if you said it without please, then it would be really rude. So I was like, ah, shit. So now whenever I'm ordering something in America, I'm like, how do I make this polite without using please? But now I can't think of any words other than please. (laughs) And then you just stop saying it. And now I just say thank you about a million times. And thank you. Could I have a thank you sandwich? Thanks. (laughs) Um. You guys were talking about in that episode about how, like, after the Revolutionary War, because, like, obviously, like, a lot of, like, British people came to the 13 colonies, and then the Revolutionary War happened, and then the UK left, and so there wasn't as much immigration between, like, the UK and the United States in the years following the Revolutionary War. Like, Canada was a more attractive option, because, like, they hadn't just had a war with them. <laughs> they hadn't told us, like, pretty sternly to fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry about that. We needed to, like, set a boundary. <laughs> Get over it. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. It was a hard breakup. It was a hard breakup. Took it badly. You really took it badly. Yeah, the fucking king. Although I oh. have to say, Lin Manuel gave him such gorgeous songs in the <laughs> Hamilton. Those were so fun. He's really rehabilitated. Yeah, him. he he really gave him a nice image, like schluff. But like, um, because this is like our last question. Like, thirty minutes goes by so quickly. Aww. But like, what's like the most interesting thing that you've learned about like the difference between like English and American? accents or like the development of the thing like what's like the most like King Henry the Eighth ass like right after he like beheaded Anne Boleyn he was like guillotine is what this is called or something like what's like the yeah. most interesting story so the, there are loads of things that I, I think there's resentment towards US English in Britain that doesn't happen the other way around despite what our country did to your country so in Britain people be like ah disgusting Americanism and a lot of those words were originally British <gasps> ah so we will spell things I-S-E instead of I-Z-E and look at me I translated it for you but originally the British spellings was I-Z-E at the end of words for legalized like re- yeah or realized something like that and then I can't remember like one or two hundred years ago we start spelling it the other way and now when people see it they're like ah it's an American spelling but it wasn't 
It so was it one of used us. to be R E A L I Z E, like in the day, like forever in, ago. In, in Britain. In Britain, it was. Yeah. It was realized, like, like, and then, and like, two hundred years ago, they're like, mm, actually, that's how the Americans are. We're going to like change it to an S because yes, like, we exactly. want to be contrarian. Yeah, because a lot of the time they just wanted to put difference in between. It's like they're like, if you don't want to fucking be our boyfriends anymore, yeah, or fine. whatever, yeah, we're going to spell everything different. Yes, no, but it was like that. So I think in the U.S. there were some efforts to be unlike your old invaders. And that is legit. And then in Britain, it was like, oh, well, you did modernizing. Fuck that. We're, like, literally coming together and, like, healing the wounds of, like, the Revolutionary War, you and I. I hope finally this is how it happens. We really are. Like, we're just, like, bridging gaps. Yeah. But we're all just people. We're all just dealing with our pain. We are. different spellings. That's the thing. Like, none of these words predate humanity. And so when people get hung up on the right way to do things, you're like, well, it's all an invention. I used to be such a pedant. I used to carry around all this pointless anger. And the thing with doing the show, I'm like, ah, just live and let live. Can you understand me? Can I understand you? Well, it's fine. And that's all we really need. It's all we really need, Jonathan. This when will we get it? This is like such a gorgeous 30 minutes. Oh, well, I'm so delighted that uh, you let me come and speak with you. Thank you for coming. And then where can people find you? Where can they? Where do, where do people need to like know where you are? Oh, so uh, my podcast, The Illusionist, uh, is at theillusionist.org. And I have another one called Answer Me This, which is answermethispodcast.com. Love. Are you on the gram or Twitter? I am on both at Helen Zaltzman. And we're going to put those links Right, so so people can follow you. Well, that's so generous. Thank thanks you. so much for coming. Thank you, and thanks for the British accenting. I enjoyed it. <sighs> Hear that tan? Yeah, one nil to you, Jonathan. <laughs> You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Van Ness. My guest this week was Helen Zaltzman. Helen's podcast is called The Illusionist, and you can find it over on the Radiotopia Network. You'll find links to Helen's work in this episode description of whatever you're listening to this show on. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JVN Dumdums if you aren't already. And you're not a dumdum. I mean, I love you so much. You're not a dumdum. I don't even know what came over me to say that. Our theme music is Freak by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. And if you enjoyed our show, girl, subscribe on Apple Podcasts for me. Just help me out a little bit. Tell your grandma how to subscribe. Download it on her phone. If she listens to it, honestly, I don't really care. It's a numbers game, honey. It's a sad world, but it's true. So, get your friends, get your neighbor, get your teacher. Tell everybody about it. Don't be annoying. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. But if you want to promote getting curious, I would appreciate it. Because this is me appreciating you, appreciating me, appreciating us, forging a path forward in this world that we call life, honey. I just love you guys so much. And Quinn, thank you so much for letting me use your, your song. You're amazing. And love you guys. See you next time on Getting Curious.